Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Good evening, everybody. Uh, we were just gathering some technical difficulties. Um, this is one of your hosts, Michael Williams. I'm here with Kylie and Malcolm. Say hey, everybody. Peace. What's happening, everybody? This is Malcolm speaking. Follow me on Instagram at MrSolomon88. Happy to be here. Hey, everyone. Good night, and thank you for listening. Um, Unfortunately, LaToya is unable to join us tonight, but our prayers are with her, and we hope to have her back with us next week. Tonight, we have a really special show planned for you. Victoria Fox is joining us tonight. Uh, Victoria is a core advocate for foster care youth, so welcome, Victoria. Are you on the line? No, this is on the line. All right, well, let's go ahead and get started with the show, I guess. <laughs> so, All right. Okay. All right, so today we're talking about family and relationships. Um, so what's, what's I'm going to ask you guys a question. How, how do you guys feel about family? Um, me personally, I believe that family is important. Um, I was raised on family is essentially it's all you got. You don't have anyone else. Um, I know families sometimes have their bad things or people have different family dynamics. So how do you guys feel about family? What, what What's your opinion? Hello? I mean, I'm going to go ahead. I'm going to go with, with uh, similar to what you're saying. I also am big on family, um, immediate family, and I believe each person in the family, you know, has a specific role. I think it's like a look at family as like being on the team. You know, so mm-hmm. uh, each player on this team, you know, has a role that they need to play, and yeah. um, and and making sure that uh, uh, things are going to be accomplished, and you know, it's important that uh, families stick together. You know, mm-hmm. where where even even so, where it's no necessarily have to be like your blood relative. You know, you know, family. Uh, I think family term could run a little a, a little deeper than it, you know, than mm-hmm. it just being uh, blood. But um, uh, somebody that you have taken the time on to really actually know, because it's a lot of blood relatives that's out here that, that don't even know, you know, the individual that they grew up with all their life, you know. So, um, yeah, definitely big on family. Yeah. What about you, Carly? What you think? Uh, yeah, I think definitely family is uh, really important. They kind of instill values and your beliefs, or not necessarily your beliefs, because I feel like you're your own person, but they do instill, you know, values and stuff in you um, that help you grow as a person. So it's definitely mm-hmm. really um, important. Yeah, I think family can definitely, um, like you said, I think family um your family can't make can't make you who you are as in uh mentally how you think. But it can I think family can lay the foundation of who you are, um, you know, your reasoning behind 
this and that, you know. Um, for example, um, let's see, political issues. Um, political issues, fam- family, if you're trying to discuss political yeah. issues, it can really give you a, a different mindset on how you, th- you view things is going on, not in not United States, but just in general. Um, that's just me personally. Um, I think family can really just lay the basic foundation on what on what, who you are as a person. You say you say you think family lays the foundation of who you are. I mean, I won't say who you are, but like kind of just really, it's like, hmm. I guess in a way can really determine how you think on how you how you how you build the world. Mm. What what goes mm-hmm. into before you even develop a family? What do you think goes into to in the, uh the it goes into de- developing it, building it, you know. So, uh, you meet you meet you a nice girl, and y'all want to mm-hmm. uh, go ahead and get married and have kids and whatnot. What type of discussions should you all cover? Like lay a foundation. Like what what's the foundation uh, or prerequisite conversations that should be discussed before taking that step? to get married and and create a family. What do you think? Um, well, I'm only 20, so I don't... But I think, really, I think one thing that you can really discuss is basically on how you think marriage is. Because some people could be a marriage as something that, you know, it only lasts for this and that. Or some people, like, can only last for so long to you, like, divorce. Or you have a family that really believe in, listen, you are, you are with this person for until, until literally the day you die. I think really, if you, if you, my mom always told me how you really, if you really want to have a future with somebody, you should really visit their family and how they work and, um, you know, how they, how they, how they interact with each other. And so if you really talk to your, your significant other or your, or you see your significant other's, um, marriage, your parents, significant other's parents and how they work, um, you know, marriage is really just, an, it's a, it's a topic that you should really ask your significant other parents, you know, like how, what do you think about marriage? So how did you, how, how did you and your work, you, you and your wife or husband work it out? You know, how, how, how do you go about uh, finding, the, working through problems? Because a lot of, a lot, some marriages today, some people, you know, get married young or even old, older, and then they divorced within like five or six years of knowing each other. And, you, and why do you think? Like why do you think that? Why? What do you think is the cause behind that? Of like divorcing? Yeah, of them, of them that's getting divorced or older, or you know, them just mm-hmm. saying like they calling it quits. Oh, uh, really? I just think that honestly, irreconcilable. Uh, irre- 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 uh, I don't know if I pronounce that word. Just differences in how they view how, how they come about different problems because um, mm. they, they they probably never really discussed you know the basic foundations of marriage or they never really um, you know they possibly never asked on how someone's marriage how their parents work I know for me personally communication is a really deal breaker for any relationship by men if if you don't if you can't talk to me about anything, then how how can we have a trust or even have a marriage or a relationship in the beginning? Well, so I think so really it's just what you say. I said so. You you talking about communication right now? Okay. Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah. So I think communication now, is key. Yeah, definitely key. communication definitely key. I wasn't trying to talk over you either. I was trying yeah. to just agree, be in agreement with yeah. you. But um, yeah, I think communication is key. And what I come to understanding of, as far as what needs to be communicated in order to build like that foundation, at least for me, I know in the areas of religion. Before you before you step step foot, I mean, decide that you all want to have that child and get married and everything. So I think definitely need to discuss like what's the, going to be the practices, the religious practices of your of your family, and mm-hmm, yeah. um, you know, you all coming to an understanding of what exactly is going to be um, education. How you going to educate your kids? Where y'all gonna send them? Where they gonna go to school? What they gonna want? What what you want them to learn? What what you don't want them to learn? Um, huge. Mm-hmm. You know how we gonna make money? How we gonna go about spending this money? Um, traditions. Well, you know what's gonna be practiced throughout the year. And for me, uh, because of how I eat, uh, I said I would say nutrition. Mm-hmm. You know, so for me, those five things. Like I wanna have conversation. I wanna. Uh, come to an understanding with my significant other on those areas and those six one like where we gonna live at. <laughs> oh yeah. so uh, I got you. so those six, you know, what we um that I wanna have I wanna have a understanding. I don't want it to be uh we we not be on the same page uh when mm-hmm. it comes to those two when it comes to those two areas. Um outside of that, you know, I believe that after we get on the same page, then we can move forward and like even me wanting to propose, you know. Because I look at I look at marriage as like shoot, that's 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 a team. That's the beginning of the team right there, you mm-hmm. know. And before you can start the team up, you got to make sure that the foundation that you're gonna build the team on is solid. So yeah, uh, communicating like you said, and I I feel for me communicating in those areas. Uh, would bring forth a solid foundation that we could build a strong team on. Yeah. All right, so... I think you have um, a really good point. No, hold on. Let me ask you just one question. I'm sorry. Um, we're gonna yeah, yeah, just, yeah. We can keep it short. So, um, Kylie, um, what, what, do you think, what do you think is the importance of family? Like, what, in terms of marriage, how me and Malcolm discussed, what do you think is a, is a deal breaker? Well, I won't say deal breaker, but um, a key factor in which some marriages don't doesn't work. Why do you think that? I think sometimes with marriages they may not work out because, like you guys were kind of discussing earlier, you kind of have to lay that foundation. And I think sometimes, mm-hmm. especially when we're young, we tend to kind of skip that part um, because right. we think, oh, it doesn't matter right now, or we assume that you know that everybody thinks the way that we do, and that's not the case. So I think. Once you start, when people get married young and they start out and they haven't actually laid that foundation and really communicated upon what their goals are mm-hmm. and what they're wanting from their partner and what they're wanting in the long run. And as far as family goes, um, how you want to raise your child with religion and school and everything that you guys mentioned, um, mm-hmm. when that comes up, you find out that maybe they don't have those same beliefs as you and it creates an issue. So. Yeah. I think that's a big right. part of that. Yeah, I think, yeah, yeah to tie it in, to tie in there also, I think people move too emotional when it comes to it, you know. It, 
is less thinking out and planning out uh, um, something for the future and just off of just what they consider love and, you know, how they are all wrapped up into that, that significant other. And then once, and then once that uh, starts to solidify a little bit, you know, they they begin to start thinking and, and start seeing things. You know, they start seeing the finances. They start yeah. seeing the true differences between themselves. And it's like, what did I get myself into? <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's all right. Well, at least that's we're going to go to commercial um, because we got we got to guess who is Victoria Fox. She is a just advocate. Um, so once once we go come up from commercial, we'll um, ask her ask some questions, get her get her input on family effects and issues with families and, and everything. Um, so please, if, you, if if there is any listeners, your friends or our friends listening, call this number now one seven eight eight nine eight zero seven eight so that we can that way we can. No, join the join the discussion and get your input. So we'll be right back, guys. Listening to the CWR Talk Network, America's voice for causes, issues, and life empowerment. This is the CWR Talk Network. Hashtag One Million Strong. Listen and imagine. It takes five seconds to send a text, and for those five seconds, you're driving blind. Life is worth more than a text. Stay alive. Don't text and drive. Visit StopTextStopRex.org, a message brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration, Project Yellow Light, Noise, and the Ad Council. This message is for all of you sitting in the passenger seat, and apologies if it gets a little uncomfortable, but how does it feel to be at the mercy of someone who thinks a random text is more important than your life? Someone who takes their eyes off the road while speeding along in a three-ton hunk of steel. Freaky, right? Well, why not just ask them to stop? Or better yet, volunteer to text for them. It might be a little awkward, but believe me, you'll live. Learn more at StopTextStopRex.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council and the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration. One in three adults in America have prediabetes, but most don't know it. To let people know it can be reversed before it becomes type 2 diabetes, professional basketball player Julius Randle is doing everything in reverse. I'm only dunking with reverse windmills. I drove the whole way to practice in reverse. I don't recommend it. This move is called the reverse shuffle. I do recommend it. 
and it took me months to learn how to speak in reverse, like this. <clears throat> Here's 10 almost for diabetes type 2 with living Ben has my mind. In other words, my mom has been living with type 2 diabetes for almost 10 years. So together, we want to say to the 84 million Americans at risk, exercise and healthy eating can help reverse prediabetes. Start by taking a simple one-minute risk test at doihaveprediabetes.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council and its prediabetes awareness partners. <laughs> Betty can't say that in reverse. Hi, Mom. Is Claire's birthday party today? Me again, Mom. Where did I put my history book? Hi, sorry, forgot one last thing. Sometimes it's hard to concentrate. At school, I start looking out the window, and then I forget what I was supposed to be thinking about. I know it seems like I don't care, but I do. It's just difficult for me. Love you, Mom. Bye. Join parents and experts at understood.org, a free online resource about learning and attention issues to help your child thrive. Brought to you by understood.org and the Ad Council. Listening to the CWR Talk Network, America's voice for causes, issues, and life empowerment. This is the CWR Talk Network. Hashtag One Million Strong. Okay, um, welcome back, guys. Hi, how's everybody doing so far? Super. Kylie, you here? Yes, I'm here. I'm doing great. All right. Okay, so I just want to, um, we're going to welcome our guest, Victoria Fox. Um, So here she is. Hey, Victoria, how are you Hi, doing? Hi, everyone. I'm good. How are Happy you guys? Vicky. <laughs> Everybody's doing fine. So, so, so Victoria, how, tell, tell, tell us a little more about what you do, because I know we just had a little short conversation. And um, obviously, you know, Kylie and Malcolm don't know too much, so just please inform us. Yeah, absolutely. So I uh, live in California, and I am a CASA, which stands for Court Appointed Special Advocate, and it's specific to foster children. Um, And it's uh, not my job. It's something that I do volunteer outside of work when I'm not working. Um, At work, I, I do credit card processing. But this foster kid um, advocating, I embarked on this journey about six years ago when I was really looking for volunteer work. Uh, and it's interesting because you guys are, you know, I've been listening to you guys talk this evening a lot about family, and that's kind of what I, I want. I knew when I decided I wanted to do volunteer work that I either wanted to work with the elderly or with children, and I, I feel like that stems from my values I have around family. And um, a friend of mine said, you know, I'm going to this orientation and there's this CASA thing I've heard about and you should come with me. So I go to it and they kind of presented the full spectrum of things. They talked about these advocates that kind of stand up for foster children and will select a foster kid or two and really follow them throughout their life. So they brought those folks in that had been doing it. They brought foster children in that might have been young adults or older teenagers that shared the experience and the benefit that they got from having a CASA. Um, They also brought in parents that might have been, you know, on drugs or had their children taken away and were were explaining how much they appreciated someone being there for their kids when they couldn't. They brought in judges. They really brought in everyone and just kind of shared 
all these different viewpoints of how the CASA program was affecting everybody. Um, and then they told us what the training was going to be like. And they're like, you know, it's going to be like school. It's going to be intense. It's going to be two days a week uh, for about four hours a day. And my friend who had brought me there after it was over turned to me and said, yeah, there's no way I'm doing that. She's like, this is way too intense. The training's way too hard. And I was like, there's no way I'm not doing this. So I, I jumped into the training right away. Um, and it's kind of history ever since. I've now uh, it's been about six years, and there are six children that I've advocated for. And um, basically, it entails kind of getting familiar with their, their case, so understanding what they've been through, why they entered into the foster system, and then really just being there for them, loving on them, kind of being the family that they should have had, you know, everything from spending um, some time with them once a week and just loving on them and getting to know them to actually checking in with their school and looking at their grades, talking to their teachers. Um, you, you can talk to their doctors and their psychiatrists and then reporting all of that to the courts and letting the courts know what you're seeing um, kind of from an unbiased volunteer perspective and recommending what you think would be most beneficial for that child. Okay. All right. That sounds like a lot, honestly. So, um, <laughs> So what so what really made you volunteer um to come to become a judge advocate? You know what? Let me ask yeah. you, let me ask you a better question. Hold up. I'm sorry. I'm asking more open open okay. questions. Um what fa- what family values made you become a uh a special advocate? That's a good question. Yeah, so I think it is a mixture of family values um as well as just my experience with my family and I think it really comes down to the experience that I had growing up I come from a really interesting family dynamic and I experienced an extreme amount of trauma as a child and I because of that kind of had to take this really long journey of how to love myself how to raise myself and through that um, experience rather than after I worked through all the bitterness and resentment, I had on the other side this beautiful um, kind of really intense empathy for children that have been through similar things and an mm-hmm. connection to them. And I had kind of like, I would say mid-teenage years, I, I recognized that I wanted to champion for children. But then I dropped out of high school. I kind of just started working really young, and I never to this day have gone to college Um, I've done really well for myself career-wise, just kind of working my way up the ladder, but I knew that I still needed to work with kids some way, somehow, and that this was my outlet for that, was doing it on a volunteer basis and, like, looking at it as, you know, how can I pay it forward, learning what I've learned and going through what I've gone through and, um, you know, figuring out how to kind of raise myself and love on myself. How can I help these kids that are in the thick of it, and how can I intervene and try and prevent them from going through a lot of the things that I went through. Hey, I have a question for you, uh, Vicky. Sorry, right, I'll call you Vicky. That's okay. Yeah, absolutely. All right, cool. Um, what uh, demographic of kids do you uh, work with? So, most of the kids in the foster system throughout the U.S. are Latino um, or African American. And the children that I work, I mean, where I live in San Jose, California, we have a really um, high demographic of Latino families and children. And 
all the children that I've worked with are Latino. Has their, has their, uh, would you say they they they've experienced some um, trauma during their um, youth also? Oh yeah, absolutely. Like all these would, kids have been through so much. Would would, would their trauma um, would it would it be similar to yours? Um, not so much. Honestly, I mean, I think like with the physical abuse and certain things like that, yes, but. What we're seeing a lot of today that's becoming more and more an issue is the drug abuse. And I think that's where, like, a lot of it stems from. And underneath the drug abuse might be mental illness. And um, that's a common thread I've seen with all the children that I've worked with. That's good. That's good that you mentioned that because I was getting around to it because that was something that uh, from a show that we had earlier uh, this year about mental illness. Now, the um, – the children, are you saying they're they're experiencing these drugs? They're having drug abuse, or, or family members were? No, the family members are, and that's why they're getting taken from their family members. I mean, I some of the kids, though, honestly, are are being born addicted to drugs, you know, because mom couldn't stop or whatever. Okay, so outside of you helping them and assisting, like uh, we, we we spoke with a, a specialist in the area of mental illness. For these traumatic experiences that come up, that uh, bring about these mental illnesses. So, do you set these kids up with uh, some type of specialist to deal with these, help deal, cope with these problems? Um, that's not really my responsibility. So, since these kids okay. have been taken from their parents and they're in, they're like, they're now in the system. They're in the foster system. Their yeah. parents are going to court. They are offered all these resources, which is really great. So, they're oh, set, cool. usually set up with therapy. Yeah. And they're set up with um, different things. Um, but where I come in is I am just kind of like, I don't want to say mom, but as I was kind of talking to you about on the break, a lot of these, a lot of foster parents out there aren't the best situation for them to be in. Um, right. I'm sad, I'm sad to say that a lot of people approach becoming a foster parent like a job and they know that they are going to get paid for each kid that's in there. They'll look at what's the city capacity for how many kids they can take in. I mean, some of the kids that I've worked with have ended up being with really scary foster parents that had, you know, a child molester in the house. The foster mom wasn't taking them to school. Um, so, you know, who, who can, who's going to be the eyes and ears of their life when the system's broken too? You know, and maybe it takes someone that has a really good heart that's not going to make a dime off of it and just wants to be there for the kids, you know, because right. the system is broken. So you say you play, you, you like, you're like mom. Are you, do you have children? I don't. Oh, so what do you think then would be necessary in order to build a strong family from which, from working with uh, kids in this area? Yeah. So from working with kids in this area and just from my own experience, um, it's interesting because there's been extensive research done on biological um, families. Adoption is a little bit of a gray area, like folks that get adopted as a baby. But when we're looking at children being raised with their biological family versus being raised Mm -hmm. in a foster situation, even if the biological family has, has had some trauma and is a little bit dysfunctional, studies have shown that the child thrives more emotionally if the family can basically get their stuff together 
even even if they have some bad memories and even if there's been some trauma before, they in the long run tend to have less emotional issues and less developmental issues if they're with that biological family. And that, I mean, it makes sense because if you're ripping a child away from their family and putting them with strangers and they're jumping from house to house, that, that is, can be just trauma on top of trauma. Right. So it's really like we really do need to figure out what can we do for these families that have these damage dynamics, like the family I came from. Um, you know, my, my mom is from Thailand and never went to school a day in her life, not here, not in Thailand. So there's definitely, I feel like, resources that could have been given to her that would have helped, you know, maybe give her a better positioning to be a mother. So I think it really is, we need to stop pointing the finger at, oh, oh my God, look at that family's on dope, or look at that. It's like, there, we all have uh, a fundamental desire to love and be loved. And yes, there are some situations where I feel like I've seen evil people that don't want to do better. But for the most part, I think there's a lack of resources, a lack of empathy, and a lack of, you know, community um, and government, you know, resources to help get people to where they need to be. That's solid. I think it's really awesome what you're doing, first off. And I Thank do you. have a question. Um, as far as, you know, who you work with or the, the kids that you work with or people in general in the foster care system, is there um, – are they coming from majority, you know, single mothers, or are they coming from people who are married, like a family unit, or? Yeah, that's a great question, Kylie. I, I would say it's, like, a mixture of everything. Um, but a lot of the time I see that, it, like, the dad is there. I mean, the, co- the main common denominator that I've seen, like I mentioned earlier, is the drug abuse. So, you know, these these parents are on drugs, they're trying to raise their kids, and eventually more and, more and more people are seeing this neglect or seeing the drug use around the kids. Someone reports it, and then, uh, you know, the parents are like, okay, we're going to get sober, and it's just not that easy. And, you know, eventually it's like, okay, your, your children are now going to be removed from you permanently. Hey, I have another question. Oh. Yes. Would, would you see... So I oftentimes see, like, uh, adoptions take place where maybe a a white family would adopt a a Latino child or a black child or a black family would adopt a uh, white child or a Latino child. Is there anything, uh, any effects on a child to grow up to have two parents? That are that have been adopted by uh, a different race, or even I, on the flip side, okay, huh? Right. Or I mean, I would say about, there has to be, okay. yeah. Yeah, I was gonna say even now, even now, what about even being adopted by two parents of the same sex? Yeah, I'm not quite sure on all that to be honest with you. Um, and this is something that's really sad. Is like most people. Uh, I think when you see those situations, especially in the media and whatnot, it's because people have, like, gone to other countries and done these private adoptions. To be honest with you, most people don't want to adopt a foster kid. They don't Mm. want a messed up kid. They don't want a kid that might have genetics to become mentally ill 
where they don't want a kid that was born on drugs or what have you, you know? And so they already, people are literally going to other countries and paying thousands of dollars to adopt kids when there's kids right here in our country that are in the foster system that need a home. And then on top of that, you look at the other statistics of age, once a foster kid turns a certain age, and I think it's like four or five, the chances of them being adopted goes down drastically. And then on top of that, most people are wanting to adopt females under the age, you know, a younger age. So, yeah, I think um, I think what you're saying I, would be interesting to talk about more, but I don't even I don't think that's really happening as much as you know with the foster system because mm. most of these kids mm. end up if they are adopted they're being adopted by like a grandmother or an aunt, you know, um, someone with so, so their own family. Those situations that I described they're not happening here. They happen, but those kids probably are coming from somewhere else. You're saying. <laughs> From my experience, yeah, um, and also the a lot of the kids end up staying in the system until they're 18. It's really sad because of that, because no one wants to adopt these kids, especially if they're entering into the system at the age of five or six. A lot of them will end up bouncing from home to home. If none of their family member can adopt them, they it just they're they're part of the system until they become an adult. Like I've seen that, and I even have friends that have been through that. Mm. Wow, that's that's crazy. I mean, cause yeah, yeah, that's ridiculous. Cause I mean, me personally, um, if I were never to bear my own children, you know, because I, I want to have kids, I would, I really want to have like three at the most. Cause I'm on race three, so one at the least. <laughs> I want to have kids. Um, cause I mean, me personally, I would like to bear my own. Well, I let my wife and my own children bear my own children. But if there's push come to shove and we still want a child, I will be willing to adopt. Only because I know there are children who want love and homes, and that's and it's ridiculous and it's crazy on how we have a tremendous amount of kids that are in the system that have not found a love and home that they, that they deserve. But let me ask you oh, a question. Oh, I couldn't agree question. more. Yeah, and they um, definitely so, deserve it too. Yeah, let me ask yeah, you a political question. Just, so I know I know you've seen the uh, recently um, the uh, the border thing with the children and the. Uh, Children and the kids turn to their to their parents. What do you what do you think of that politically? Like I don't, I me personally, I I don't really think that's a no, that's that's not right. That's just inhumane, first of all. But it's crazy how you see kids' reactions of meeting their parents. Some I've seen some media with with them like let's say they be there in a month, like they be there for a month, and then they see their parents and like I don't know who this person is. Um, so what oh, do you yeah, think about totally that? Totally not right. Yeah, I, yeah. it's not right. You know, and if you think, if you take a second to to think about it, like mm-hmm. they've been doing that now for a while. I'm sure they've they've done that, you know, throughout history um, for a while. But it really ramped up with Trump this year, and mm-hmm. people in Mexico, people in South America, people, anyone that was coming was aware that this was happening. They were aware that. That, they, that ICE was separating children from their parents, and people still mm-hmm. chose to come here because they knew that that risk was worth it. Mothers knew that even if they never saw their child again, it was worth it to get their child out of that situation. Mm-hmm. And that speaks volumes to what they're going through in that country. And 
you know, there needs to be a whole different shift in how we look at that, like to, to rip kids away. And now there's hundreds, maybe thousands of children unaccounted for that they don't even know who they belong to or how to patch them back to their family. Like it's unacceptable. It's disgusting and unacceptable. And anyone that lives in the U.S. that doesn't think so needs to understand that the rest of the entire world is looking at us and is disgusted and Mm -hmm. it's not, it's not normal. It's not right. You know, like where I said, Thailand, where my mom's from, you know, there's this um, triangle with Myanmar and a couple other countries where it's really, really dangerous right now. There's a lot of drug cartel and they're making, um, you know, opium and different things. And there's basically young boys are being kidnapped and being forced to become gangsters and join these cartels. Well, mm-hmm. moms are bringing their children to the Thailand border and dumping them there. And Thailand is taking them in with open arms. They're putting them in different churches wherever they can. They're educating these children. Um, and we're talking Thailand is a third world country. So, you know, the fact that we have all these resources and all this knowledge and we're treating these people this way is disgusting. Like it makes me embarrassed to say that I am an American, you know? Yeah. Um, and I have another question for you. Um, what advice would you give parents today on how to support their kids and their family structure? I would say that it's the, the biggest thing that you can invest in, you know? And I think really, like, another thing, too, that I noticed, the other trend, like, aside from the mental illness and the drug abuse, is a lot of these kids are from really low-income families. And... Mm-hmm. I think what we really need to do is the people that are from middle-class families or upper-class families, we have a responsibility to first be more compassionate, check your privilege, like realize that, yeah, you're so lucky and blessed that your family wasn't like that or you've never had to experience anything like that, but understand where this all stems from. Like our country is causing these issues by marginalizing people. They have no access to resources. They end up being poor, they can't get the help when they're mentally ill, you know, the drug, they're a ha- much higher, uh, they're, they're way more susceptible to, to drugs and drug abuse because of the communities they live in and the state that they're in. We need to be more compassionate. If we can learn to be more compassionate and to listen to people and find and ask them what they need and, and why they're making the, de- the decisions that they are, that would be a really good starting point, I feel like. Gotcha. You know? Um. Okay, hold on. So, so uh, I have a question for you. So, are you still able to be on, or you got you got anything else to do? I could be on a little bit longer. Okay, all right. So, because mm-hmm. um, we have uh, one of my co-hosts has some more questions for you, but we have to go to a quick commercial sure. break. So, once we come back, we'll keep you on, ask more questions, and then we'll just go from there. Okay, that sounds great. Okay, so um, <laughs> if you guys had, if you guys. Uh, if there's any listeners, um, please call us number 917-889-8078. Um, we would love to hear your opinions and have more questions with Victoria Fox. Um, so please call. There's no judgment. It's a judgment-free zone, and we'd love to hear your opinions. So we'll be right back, y'all. You're listening to The CWR Talk Network, America's voice for causes, issues, and life empowerment. This is The CWR Talk Network. Hashtag One Million Strong.
Why is Connor having trouble focusing in school? Having trouble finding Connor Middle School? Would you like directions? No. Why is Connor having trouble focusing in school? Finding Lois airfare to Istanbul. No, I'm, I'm tired of fighting with him over homework. Home walk restaurant. Need a review? No, I need help. He's very smart, but his mind wanders. He's disorganized. I think I understand. Oh, good. Finding best potatoes for French fries. No! Russet, fingerling, Yukon oh, gold. Why don't you understand me? Sorry, I was trying to show how Connor feels every day. Frustrating, isn't it? Redirecting to understood.org. For the one in five kids with learning and attention issues, this is what life can feel like. Explore understood.org, a free online resource about learning and attention issues designed to help your child thrive in school and in life. Understood.org, because understanding is everything. Brought to you by Understood.org and the Ad Council. Dave, what are you doing? Just sending a gift to Dave2037. Who? Me in the future. I save a little money from every paycheck as a gift to Dave2037, so he can spend it on things like anti-gravity boots or a hologram Doberman, something cool like that. I think Dave2037 deserves it. He worked hard. What are you getting Steve2037? I guess I was thinking Steve2037 would just fend for himself. Well, all right, but don't expect to be borrowing my anti-gravity boots. You want to have money in your future? You got to start saving now. Putting some money from every paycheck into a savings account or contributing to your 401k can make a big difference later. Put away a few bucks, feel like a million bucks. For free ideas and easy ways to save, go to feedthepig.org. That's feedthepig.org. Hey, Let's just hope Steve2037 doesn't get his hands on a cold time machine because he is going to come back here and knock some sense into you. This message brought to you by the American Institute of Certified Public Accountants and the Ad Council. It's Thursday night and you're grabbing drinks with some friends. Started off with a pitcher for the table, which quickly becomes two. There's pool. And there's the photo booth. All right, everybody squeeze in. Say cheese. Followed naturally by an order of wings. And another. Can we get some extra ranch sauce? Then there's the ceremonial nightcap. So what are we doing this weekend? And lastly, it's back to the car. Which, if you're buzzed... ...could be the most expensive night of your life. Getting pulled over for buzz driving could cost you around $10,000 in fines, legal fees, and increased insurance rates. Nothing kills a buzz like getting pulled over for buzz driving, because buzz driving is drunk driving. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. Unexpected reactions to smart financial decisions brought to you by FeedThePig.org. Well, I finally did it. I improved my credit score. You're kidding, right? Uh, no. How are we supposed to be the bad boys of electrosynth pop if you're out there being responsible? The band is about to be discovered. This is our year. Uh, yeah, you've been saying that for a while now. You think anyone in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame was worried about their credit score? I never really thought that Of we're... course they weren't. Rock stars aren't supposed to think about that kind of stuff. We're supposed to think about how many guitars we've smashed, write aggressively sensitive power ballads, start questionable fashion trends, tragically break up and blame creative differences. All right, all right, just... I thought maybe it was time to take control of my finances, you know? Start using a budget. Get out of debt. Set some goals. A budget? Debt? Set some goals? Listen, I knew that we'd have our creative differences, but I was hoping they'd involve a little more scandal. 
When it comes to financial stability, don't get left behind. Get tools and tips for saving at feedthepig.org. This message brought to you by the American Institute of CPAs and the Ad Council. The CWR Talk Network is not just another talk radio network. We are a strong advocate for life empowerment, like empowering a generation that has been grossly misunderstood and disparaged to shatter the misconceptions about them. No Sleep was created to give millennials a platform to express themselves and let the world know who they really are and what they believe, their values, interests, fears, and more. This is a diverse group gender-wise and racially that we are very, very proud of. We invite you to tune in, whether you are a millennial or not, and learn from these outstanding young people. Listen every Wednesday night at 8 o'clock p.m. Eastern and 7 o'clock p.m. Central for No Sleep, Shattering Millennial Misconceptions. Listening to the CWR Talk Network, America's voice for causes, issues, and life empowerment. This is the CWR Talk Network. Hashtag One Million Strong. All right, y'all. Welcome back. Um, we got ten minutes left in the show, unfortunately. Um, so if anybody call us having more questions, please feel free to ask Victoria. Hey, Victoria, I have a question. Yeah. Um, Obviously, this show is a platform to educate not only ourselves, but our listeners as well. Um, What is one thing that you think we as Americans can do in order to help the situations of these children in foster care and to possibly make a difference with the amount of children that are being placed in this system, from your experience? Uh, Yeah, that is such a good and big question. (laughs) Um, I think like, kind of like we, what we were talking about before the break with the um, immigration and whatnot, um, I think with any issue, any big issue, whether that be homelessness or the foster system or immigration, the first thing we need to do is really uneducate ourselves un- unbiasedly. And I think that's something that as a whole, as Americans, we really need to learn how to do, you know, especially with the re- like Google and technology nowadays and how how saturated, oversaturated it is. Um, and it, it can also be really easy if you feel like there's all these issues with immigration to look at what the issues with immigration are. So how do you approach things from a curious mindset and really look at things from all angles? You know, t- if, if we're talking about immigration, talk to immigrants, talk to children of immigrants, talk to immigrant business owners, like really get a well-rounded grasp on the issue and look at multiple perspectives. So I think that's the first step with any big issue is really educating yourself and taking the time to look at it from multiple angles rather than just the one that is kind of already the tunnel vision that we inevitably start to have as human beings. You know, you need to look outside of that and really push yourself to look outside of that. And there's going to be times where it gets uncomfortable and that's important, you know. 
So I think that's the biggest thing. And then also with the volunteering, like that's huge. A lot of people say like, oh my God, I love what you do. And you know, that's so awesome, but I just could never do that. And it's like, no, you can. There's always something you can do, you know, whether that's becoming a foster parent or just hanging out with these kids, helping with the administrative work. Um, so CASA, the organization I work with, that's it's one of a kind. There's no other ones out there where you can advocate for foster kids. There's just this one um, where you can really be court appointed. Um, they are in such need of volunteers. And um, it's the, kind of the same thing with the CASAs. A lot, for whatever reason, a lot of people want to advocate for a young girl. So there's all these, like, you know, 10-year-olds and older foster boys that are just sitting there waiting for an advocate and so I think volunteering if you're able to is huge and I'm telling you like people think it sounds so noble and I'm doing all this stuff for kids and it's so hard and so time consuming it's not that time consuming like I work a full-time job you know how many of us spend at least four hours during the weekend doing not doing anything just sitting around or drinking with friends like that four hours a week for every two weeks, like that could be spent so much more valuably. And then on top of that, I honestly feel like I get more from this than the children do. I learn so much and it gives me so much more compassion for just humanity, honestly. Um, and these kids, you know, they're just so amazing. Despite all these things they've been through, they are like any other kid. And as soon as they start seeing that you're going to show up and you're going to be there for them, before you know it, you can't even tell the difference between the foster kid and the the kid that wasn't in the foster system. They are there's no difference. Once they get stable love and consistency, these kids are like any other kid, and you know they they need that. And it really it's such a beautiful human experience, and it will it will give you everything you put in times two. So that's awesome. Wow. Do you have, is there a website or something that you could share with us or our listeners that might be interested in seeing yeah. the volunteering opportunities are out there? Absolutely. Yeah. And it's interesting because I've met people from random states, like Midwest states and stuff um, that are aware of the program. So I know it's everywhere. Um, let me get the website real quick. Awesome. Thank you. Yeah, no, thank you guys. So the national website, and then they ha they'll have, like, um, state chapters and local chapters, but it's casaforchildren.org. And how do you spell that? You said casa? Casa, yeah, like the Spanish word for house. So C-A-S as in Sam, A, and then four is spelled out, F-O-R, children.org. CASAforchildren.org. Awesome. Thank you. Absolutely. All right. Well, unfortunately, we have five minutes left. So thank you, Victoria, for um, joining our show and giving us some insight on you, on what you do, and how impactful it really can be. Because um, I know the foster care system, it can be a little bit tricky and disheartening. But at the end of the day, like you said, you know, we need volunteers and or people who actually work in the system to try to provide a home right. for needless children that desperately need loving parents just like any other parent, just like any other child would, would like would love to have. Absolutely. All right, um do you do you have a quick little inspirational quote for us? Just just something inspirational? Um, 'cause our, our time's kinda of short, so just give us a little little something inspirational. 
inspirational quote. Well, I do have a quote that I like that I feel like is, is good for all these things. When you look at foster kids, when you look at damaged families um, Mm -hmm. and everything that's going on in the world right now, it can be so easy to really um, lose hope to just get negative and to just feel like what the heck is going on and what are we going to do? But um, there is a quote that I really like. It's by Gandhi. And it Mm -hmm. says, um, humanity is like the ocean. If a drop of water in the ocean is dirty, the entire ocean does not become dirty. I probably messed it up a little bit, but it's something like that. And (laughs) it's really like, it's, it's really, it's been really true in my experience. You know, it can be so easy to like stereotype a situation or a group and Mm -hmm. then it becomes the whole world, you know, and really what I've found from just spending time with different groups of people is that, you know, one bad apple doesn't make the whole batch bad. And it's the same thing with any topic, you know. So I think just if you if you take the time to talk to different people and maybe put yourself in situations that are uncomfortable at first, you will see that, you know, for every every bad person or every bad, you know, situation, there's at least one good. And if we can hold on to that hope and just, you know, keep moving forward, I think that's what we got to do. Okay, that's, that's deep. Thank I like that. All right, well, thank you again, Victoria, for your time, and we we really do love we do we really do admire what you do. Thank you, guys. All right, well, have a good work as well. You too. You guys take care. You too. All right. Bye bye. All right, that was good stuff right there. Yeah, it was. All right, so Maybe. it's time for that unfortunate event. Um, the closing of the show. So do you guys have a inspirational quote for us? Yeah, I, I definitely do. Before I even go ahead and uh, spit it out, you know, uh, mm-hmm. I had just one I had a few, one more question for the few seconds that we got left. You know, just something for y'all to think of. Maybe y'all want to, maybe if you can answer it down at school. But uh, she spoke on just um, going out and possibly adopting kids. And uh, sometimes the kids get no father and no mother. You know, they stay in the system the entire time. So it made me think of uh, what would be fatherhood to you, uh, Micah mm-hmm. and uh, Kylie? What would be motherhood? What What is that? Then you well, know, if, if, even if it's not your own child. Um, this is what is, this this could be my inspirational quote. Um, I think one thing fatherhood is me is I know you probably I know you guys probably heard this is um anybody can be a dad but it takes the right it takes a man to be a father you know not not too many people um can really t- step up and take the responsibility of raising a child for not really 18 years but really their whole life you know you have something or not something you have somebody came out of your of your significant others um area <laughs> per se and you have to take care of that for you gotta take you gotta protect that and love that life or until the day you die or or, or the God help um the event is you die. So anybody anybody can be a dad but it takes a real man to be a father. So respect. Yeah. I couldn't agree with you any more than that. I know um, I lost my father recently, and no. one of the last things that he said to me was, I don't care how old you get, 
or if I'm here or not, I'm always your father. And I think that that's the definition of, you know, fatherhood or motherhood. It's a, it's a lifelong commitment and not just an 18 year deal. You know, you have to be for, you have to be there for them. That's solid. That's solid. Well, I did have a, I did have a quote I wanted to leave everybody with. It comes from Naeem Akbar, one of my favorite authors. It says, without a strong family, individual life and community life are likely to become very unstable. So building that foundation goes back into what we talked about in the beginning, building that strong foundation, communicating with your significant other, and having a plan at the end of the day. <laughs> you know, we're going to make sure that we have that strong family foundation. Yeah. What about you, Kyle? You got, you got an inspirational quote for us? I don't today. I didn't look one up, but um, you guys have definitely shared some really good information. <laughs> All right. Well, that's unfortunate. It's unfortunate we um, ran out of time. Um, so, but join us next week. Um, we have yet to decide what we're talking about, but we will be sure to. I'm sure we will discuss the dire topic that needs to be discussed at that point of time. So thank I would like to thank you all, both of you guys, for joining me today. And for those listeners who for the listeners, thank you for joining us. And thank Victoria Fox for joining us as well. So please be safe, y'all. Um don't don't do anything that you don't want your future kids to do. <laughs> um so thank you and good night, y'all. All right, y'all. Good night. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.